Hi there, this is Pastor Woods up here. Uh, still marooned in my house because of the broken leg. I only get out to go to church on Sundays and I get out to go to doctor's offices. Other than that, I'm pretty housebound, but it's okay. Praise God, I've got a house. I would invite you to come to the First Baptist Church tomorrow here in Holbrook because I still am pastoring there and I, I would just appreciate your, your coming. Today I want to talk about uh, on the road again. I'm not talking about the same road that Willie Nelson sings about, but I'm talking about a higher road than that. And I think there are 11 things that we need to put on the checklist to make sure we stay on the right road as we go towards heaven. Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14 says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. You know, Jesus used a lot of object lessons of familiar things to make his truths understood. Like, for instance, he said, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And the people understood that because they, they grew crops. Or what man of you having a hundred sheep and one of them disappear wouldn't go get it? You know, Jesus had these lessons and they helped teach spiritual truths. Let's use our cars as a familiar object to see what we can learn today. First, I would say if you're going to be driving a car, you need to steer straight. How you steer your car determines success and safety or destruction, maybe even death. If you weave in and out of traffic, you'll cause a safety problem for yourself and everybody else on the road. Several years ago, Marty and I were coming down from Holbrook on I-17, going back to Phoenix at that time. A little red sports car passed us like a bat out of a hot cave. He zigged and zagged between and around cars. It must have been going 100 miles an hour or better. He, he didn't let trucks get in his way. They, they were all driving the speed limit, and he was in a much bigger hurry. Later, in just a few miles, we came upon an accident. And what do you know? The little red car had missed a curve. The car was upside down in the ditch. And the, the ambulance, were, the attendants were carrying the driver away in no seemingly hurry. We suppose that he killed, got killed. In driving, it's good to follow the safety rules. I was thinking about how, you know, there are certain safety rules on everything you drive, like even golf carts. I was thinking about how several years ago I was going on a golf cart, dangling my leg, which you're not supposed to do, and I hit a curb. That's when I broke my hip the first time, and uh, that, that was not a pleasant thing. I broke five toes and one foot, torqued my body, and broke the hip on the other side. You know, when driving, it's important not to swerve. Keep your eyes on the goal and stay between the lines. When we lived in Stevenson, Washington, sometimes we would go to a nearby town, White Salmon, Washington. Uh, at the bottom of the hill on the river was a little town called Benjamin, and then you go up a road and, and up a high part of the hills, and you come to White Salmon. And the road that went up to White Salmon was narrow with a bank on one side and a drop-off on the other. And you had to be careful to stay on the road and not go over the embankment. 
In fact, uh, it was two-way road at that time, and if anybody was coming down, it was especially eerie trying to make sure that you kept right where you needed to be. You know, the way to heaven is like that, straight and narrow. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Dad and Mom, you're in the driver's seat with your family. Are you steering correctly? You know, you got people watching your life. Steer correctly for them. Make sure that they know you're on the right road and going straight for God. You know, the devil lures us. He comes around and tries to tempt us, but we must say no. In Luke 9, 62, but Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Take care to keep your eyes on the goal so that you won't veer off the road and become a roadside tragedy. Uh, God instructs us not to turn. Joshua 1, 7 says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Also, be sure to measure your tire tread. Bald tires can cause problems. Have a blowout and lose your progress. Be consistent in your relationship with God. Don't let your relationship with Him grow thin. For those who drive a standard transmission, and there's probably not that many anymore, but uh, the idea is don't slip the clutch. The clutch connects the motor to the drive wheels. Hebrews chapter 1 says, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Deuteronomy 4, 9, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. You see, clutch slippage is, is gradual. It's uh, something that you don't catch all at once, and all of a sudden you begin to have problems. It's kind of like spiritual slipping is also gradual. You might not know you're having a problem and all of a sudden you realize your relationship to God is not what it used to be. You need to get back to him. Don't let it slip. I uh, Third thing is keep the battery charged. Your car battery must be continually charged. A weak battery will let you down in the heat or in the cold. The alternator keeps it charged. If the alternator goes out in a short time, you have trouble. Our spiritual batteries must be continually recharged. Isaiah 40, 30, and 31 says, Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Colossians 3.10 says, uh, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Psalm 51.10 says, 
Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. The fourth thing we need to, uh, to be careful on is make sure we've got fuel. The most beautiful and powerful car in the world is helpless without fuel. We must have spiritual strength to do great things. Samson was strong because of fuel from God, but he didn't keep fueled up. He, he forgot that his relationship with God was so important. Got his eyes on other worldly things. And we know the story of Samson and Delilah and how he gave away the secret that God told him to keep about his strength being in his hair. And he told Delilah, Delilah several times, you know, hinting at what it might be. Finally, he said, if my hair is cut, he said, I'll be as weak as anybody else. And Judges 16.20 said that she cut his hair and then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Paul's fuel was Jesus Christ, Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's where we need to be. First Timothy 1.12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Second Corinthians 9.8, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Then I would say, don't blow your own horn. A horn is of value unless it is abused. Imagine following a group of hell's angels down the freeway when your horn all of a sudden goes off and sticks. What are you going to do? You don't want to call all those guys' attention to you. You know, some boast themselves, but it's always best to be humble and not try to blow your own horn. Let others talk of your merit and accomplishments. Matthew 6, 1, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward that your father from your Father in heaven. Matthew 23, 5, everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes and scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. And then another thing that's very important, number six, is to obey laws. We get tired of laws when we're driving. You know, we. why do I have to drive this, this slow speed when I could go faster? But you know, they're there for our own good. Uh, we we want to be sure that uh, we are obeying the laws so we don't get in trouble. Traffic laws should be obeyed. Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. By the way, stop, S-T-O-P, doesn't mean slightly tap on pedal or smooch till others pass. You know, it, it, it means to... Come to a halt. In Ezra 7, 26 says, Whoever will not obey the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be strictly executed on him, whether for death or for banishment or for confiscation of his goods and imprisonment. 
Uh, I was thinking about way back in ancient history when I was pastoring in Pullman, I had one day to go out and take some things to some people in Albion, Washington, which was just about six miles out of Pullman, I guess. Anyhow, I came out there, I was delivering some papers, and I came to a stop sign, and I just kind of rolled through. I didn't come to a complete stop. And all of a sudden, this man came out of his yard, and he said, you didn't come to a complete stop. I said, I'm sorry. And I, I thought, you know, that was it. But then I found out he was the local law out there, and he wrote me a ticket, Imagine getting a ticket for while you're in a car and the guy giving you the ticket uh, is is walking. And he says, I expect you to be out here and face these charges. And I said, well, okay, I need to see the judge. He said, I am the judge. I, <laughs> I had to pay the fine. That was uh, really a bad situation. I hear people say often, I think laws are ridiculous. I want my freedom. You know, freedom doesn't mean the absence of constraints or moral absolutes. Suppose a skydiver at 10,000 feet announces to the rest of the group, I'm not using a parachute this time because I want freedom. The fact is a skydiver is constrained by a greater law, the law of gravity. But when the skydiver chooses the constraint of the parachute, he's free to enjoy the exhilaration of coming down. I, I, that's something that I've never wanted to get involved with, but I've heard people talk about. God's moral laws act the same way. They restrain us, but they're absolutely necessary to enjoy the acceleration of free, real freedom. Titus 3.1, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. Matthew 22.21, they said, uh, you know, uh, they had brought a coin to, to Jesus. They were trying to prove a point, and they said, do we pay taxes or what? And Jesus said, give me a coin, and he, they did, and he said, whose inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14 says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. We are to be examples even when feeling inclement. I mean, when stormy weather comes and we get upset, remember, the world is watching. Then check the brakes. A car is a dangerous machine without brakes. Proper brakes help you avoid accidents. When we were first married and lived in Grand Coulee, Marty one day wanted to go over to Coulee Dam and and see a friend of hers and didn't have the car, so I had a Vespa motor scooter at that time. She went out and started the motor scooter, drove to Coulee Dam, came back to Grand Coulee and came down the alley and into the backyard and couldn't find the brakes. And so she decided to stop. She rammed it into a tree. She bent the front forks. I never rode it again after that. But, you know, uh, we, we don't want to slam into trees and things. We want to be able to control, and so we need to have brakes. Christian needs brakes. We must have self-control. 
Acts 24:25, and as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. As you know, the apostle Paul was preaching to Felix, and Felix said, not today, maybe later. As far as we know, later never came. Second Peter 1, 5 through 6, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The lot is cast into the lap. And then I think, you know, that we need to study the map and know where we're going. It's a thing for men who think they're macho to never look at a map. Probably most of them can't read it anyhow. But uh, they, they don't want to look, oh, I know where I'm going. Have you ever tried to guess the way if you weren't really sure? I remember years ago at, at uh, Pine Oak Camp, the Nazarene Camp up in Washington State, uh, I was working up there as a, as a counselor, and, and uh, I, I don't remember anyhow why I was there. But uh, the camp speaker that was supposed to come up to Pinelow was supposed to fly into Spokane, Washington, and rent a car, and then he'd come up and be there for chapel that night. Well, he decided he knew the way to come up to Pinelow and got on the wrong road and ended up in Seattle, which is a long ways away. He called and said, I guess I won't be there tonight. And that was the night that I became a camp speaker. I had to cover for him. And I had a lot of good years after that speaking at camps and stuff. But it was because this man thought he knew the way, did not check the map, and went the opposite direction and got totally lost. Proverbs fourteen twelve said, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We must do the will of the Lord. Genesis 6.22, Noah did according to all that God commanded him. Genesis 22.2 and 3, Abraham was willing to offer Isaac because God had challenged him to do that. Joshua chapter 11 verse 15, just as the Lord had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. We need to learn that too. And Gideon said that God, uh, you know, called him for this special thing to fight against the Midianites. And Gideon put out the the call for an army. 32,000 men showed up. God said, that's too many. Gideon said, anybody afraid, go home. And 10,000 got up and left. God said, that's too many. I can't get the glory on that. And so God cut that army down to 300. And Gideon, my, he must have been panicky. But you know, the, the, the minority and God makes the majority. Uh, then we need to keep emergency kits in our car. In Cheyenne, when we lived there, we had to keep a kit with candles, food, water, a shovel, chains, blankets, matches, 
all kinds of things in case we got out someplace and a blizzard hit and we got stranded. We, we could survive. Also, we had to have things like candy bars, which I had a hard time keeping that in the kit. Well, as Christians, we should have spiritual hazard, hazard kits too non-perishable food, which would be our scripture, which would be our, our devotions, our time with God. Have some things on hand to sustain you through the rough times. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, memorized scriptures can help more than anything. Just a phrase of scripture to grasp in, your, in, in the dead of our spiritual winter can be a great comfort to us. Extra blankets and warm clothing, uh, we get that kind of, you know, with our fellowship with other Christians. During a spiritual winter, some people forget about attending church and fellowshipping with other Christians. How much more is needed when trials come into our lives? Having fellowship with other believers strengthens us. We need their love, their support, their prayers. It becomes a real warmth to us. Uh, we also need to have drinking water, you know, to survive where we are. The, the thirst can be horrible. Christ is the living water. We need to have him in our lives to help us. Bottled water in an emergency is a must. We need it to survive just like we need the living water. We need Christ and his word to live, and relying on him will keep us from a parched existence. Drink in his love and his promises and his blessings and his strength. I, I, number 10, don't forget to check the oil. Oil keeps things lubricated so the engine will not seize up and destroy your trip. For the Christian, that would involve surrendering to the Holy Spirit who works with us to keep our relationship with Jesus Christ running smooth. As I surrender his will, he gives me victory and keeps my life journey with Jesus from seizing up. He provides the direction and joy I need to travel towards heaven. He keeps me on the right road. And finally, spiritual antifreeze. Matthew twenty four twelve, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, attitudes can be like icicles, weighing us down, destroying our self-being. We had a very hard winter one year when we were living in Grand Coulee. Uh, it was snow, and the, the temperatures got down to 40 below zero, and, and people were stranded. And, and the old neighbor at that time, her name was Peggy Wilgus, she was worried because the icicles had formed on her roof. Her roof was very old and rickety. And so she asked Marty to take a garden rake and come over and break the big ice, icicles before they damaged her roof. Well, Marty took one big swing and missed the ice and broke her window right in the middle of a horrible cold time. You know, it was kind of a rough situation. Anyhow, antifreeze is also important when we're in the heat. When we lived in Phoenix, we had just the opposite of when we lived in Grand Coulee. It was hot. You know, sometimes get to be 116, 120, not sometimes, most of the summer. And so antifreeze would help keep the car from boiling over. 
You know, we need to stop the boiling overs in our Christian life too, the, the loss of our temper, anger, attitudes that destroy us and our relationship with Jesus Christ and with other Christians. We need to be awfully careful that we we keep ourselves submitted to God and God helps us to be able to control those things. Paying attention to these safety tips will give you a safer ride as you travel to your destination. Paying attention to these spiritual safety trips will give you a safe journey to heaven. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, I pray that you help us each one, that we might draw closer to you, that we will pay attention to what's going on around us, and Lord, we will keep ourselves prepared so that we're willing and ready to help do anything you ask us to do at a moment's notice, to speak to anybody we need to speak to about Jesus Christ, or if you decide to take us home, that we'll be ready so that we can come to be in heaven with you. Help those who don't know you as their personal Savior to come to a place, Lord, where they ask for your forgiveness and allow you to come into their lives. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know how to get a hold of me. My my email or Gmail is lowercase R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. You can text me or write me or whatever and and sometimes uh, because I get so much email, I might miss it. Try Keep trying. And then my phone number is 623-845-2741. If you needed to call and talk or ask for prayer, I'd be willing to take that phone call. Or you can text me and let me know what's going on in your life. Finally, our mailing address, if you want to go by snail mail, is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. I hope that you're having a good trip as you're on the road towards heaven, and I hope that you'll be successful, that God will bless you as you go.